Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife did something they had never done before. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I want to teach a lesson this morning that I've simply entitled Conversations with a Snake. I want you to be very, very dedicated in listening to this lesson today because I I believe that this lesson is crucial to the success of our spiritual lives. It's very important that you get what you need to receive from this lesson today. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, sister. My Saturday work day, I, I've brought it up already, um, very rapidly coming to a close, but my my Saturday work day schedule is quite a bit different than uh, the other days that I work at FedEx. Um, <clears throat> Thursday and Friday, I go in and uh, I uh, load up a, uh, a box truck full of bulk deliveries and head out. Don't drive that far. I think total... Uh, miles for most of my Thursday and Fridays are about 40, 40 miles. And most of my stops are, a lot of them are right next to each other, warehouses that are set up in a warehouse district. And I will back up to dock and offload how many ever packages I have for that particular stop then move down the street and hit the next, next one. And just with minutes in between. And, uh, so there's not much downtime. I'm, I'm, uh, either throwing freight or driving from one stop to the next and jumping right back out and starting all over again. But Saturdays are quite a bit different than my Thursday-Friday route because I cover a large territory. I'm probably in five or six counties. So as a matter of fact, after I drive uh, from Collinsville over to St. Louis to pick up the freight at our station over in St. Louis, when I leave that morning on Saturday mornings, it's usually typically about an hour and 10 minutes just to get to where my route starts. So then I go on out further from there. So typically, um, 
maybe 400, 450 miles in a, in a day on a Saturday that I spend behind the wheel. And uh, sometimes I listen to, like to listen to, like, you know, fill my time in my day with crazy talk show hosts, you know, riveting, uh, riveting morning radio banter and um, like uh, the Garden Hotline with Mark Miller, Mike Miller. You know, just, I mean, exciting stuff. But sometimes the stress of listening to <clears throat> the exact right time to plant my begonias gets to, to be a little overwhelming for me. And so I have to kind of, you know, I have to kind of turn it off and, and get my blood pressure back down. There's times when, uh, when I just turn everything off and I'm just alone with my thoughts. Anybody else like that? The older I get, the seem seems like the more I enjoy just silence. I, I don't have to have something going on in the background. I don't have to have a radio playing all the time. There's many times when my wife and I will drive and we'll go a long, long ways and we'll never turn the radio on. We may have conversation. There may be uh, quite a long time where we're just driving along silently and joining each other's company. This message today comes from my ponderings about how and where everything started to go downhill in the world in which we live. Sometimes it, it, the best way to get to uh, the problem is to find out the root of the problem. If you've got an illness and you've got some symptoms, you may have symptoms in places that are coming from a problem that's created someplace else in the body, and it's good to understand. You know, I've had a lot of pain down my leg in the past, but there's been no issue with my leg. It's been an issue in a nerve in my lower back, and it creates pain, but once we figured out exactly where the root of the problem was, it's easier to deal with it. And once you get the, the root of the problem taken care of, uh, you can uh, fix a lot of the other symptoms that go along with it. And so I, I thought about this uh, over the past several weeks, as a matter of fact, uh, and it would seem to me that we met our demise as humanity when we got into a conversation with a snake. It all started there. If you read the creation story, you're going to find where God is doing some really impressive things. Uh, and I, I've thought, you know, have you ever, have you ever been doing a job and then just stepped back and looked at your work and, and thought, hey, this is, this is pretty good, pretty good stuff. Admired your own work. Uh, we're finally doing some uh, long needed uh, uh, remodeling in our, in our basement and uh, pulled all the old carpeting out and, and, uh, retextured the walls and painted things and and we've we've begun to do some things and the other day I was down there kind of gearing up getting ready to to start laying some new flooring and so Bennett my grandson was over at the house and he said Papa can I help you out and I said well sure come on down come down the steps and and we began to to roll out this underlayment that goes underneath the flooring and and uh, uh we got it laid out and and I was trying to uh, advise him on which way to turn it and this and that and how to spread it out. And I was letting him help help his grandfather out, you know, to, to get everything put where it needed to be. And so we got that underlayment kind of laid out and we 
cut it and we uh, we measured it together and, and we stapled it down to the floor. And, and about that time, um, Mallory came home to pick up the boys from work and she stopped by the house. And so she comes in into the house and we hear her. And I said, well, let's go upstairs and say hi to your mom. Probably about time for you to leave. And we got up the stairs and Bennett wanted them to know that he had found a new skill in the carpentry industry. And he he let them know, you gotta come see what we've done. You you gotta see our our work. You gotta see what me and Papa did. We were laying flooring down in the basement and uh, the job wasn't complete, but he had already uh, developed the concept of standing back and crossing his arms and checking it out and saying, we, we did a pretty good thing here. It's kind of in our blood sometimes to stop and step back and admire what we've accomplished. Now, I've got a little bit of floor down, and there was no flooring down even yet. It was just the underlayment, just... Uh, but he he thought, you know what, this is worth somebody patting me on the back over. So I started laying some flooring down and got a few few rows laid, and my wife comes down steps and she's like, hey, this is this is gonna look great. And she's loving it. And she got involved and started handing me some some uh some of the planks and I began to put them in place. And before long we had seven or eight rows and nine or ten rows uh, laid down and and, and we're looking at that, and she's like, this looks really good. Now, now I, I have done really good at keeping it quiet, but I must confess to you today that in my heart, I was standing back looking at that thing, and I had my arms folded in my mind, and I thought, man, I'm impressing my woman here. It's okay. If you've done something good, it's okay to step back and admire what you've been able to do. God has given us wisdom, talent, abilities, trades, so that we can go to work. He's designed us for that. It's okay to look at something that you've done and stand back and say, hey, I've done a good thing here. And I got to reading in the first chapter of, of Genesis where God is creating things, and, and I got a little tickled thinking about it because uh, five times in, in probably 10 or 15 verses or so, uh, the Lord, no, it's, it's that whole chapter. I'm sorry, not 10 or 15 verses. It's more than that. It's about that whole chapter. Five times in that first chapter, God finishes up a day's work, and then he stands back, and the Bible says that he looked at what he'd done, and he said, it was good. He was pleased with his accomplishment for that day. Not bad for a day's work. Hang the moon and the stars and the sun. We think we've done something if we get the grass cut. God's gone out and he's created fish and fowl and oceans and separated firmaments. And he stepped back and says, not, not, not a bad day's work for being God. Look at what I've been able to accomplish. And he looked at everything that he did, and he said it was good. And and I believe that the reason that he wanted it to be just right is because he was getting ready to create his most prized creation, humanity, and he wanted to make sure that when he had his most prized creation uh, inhabiting what he had built, he wanted things to be right. 
Just like most of you ladies when you have special company over to the house. Things that maybe you might overlook just when you and the hubby's living there all of a sudden become uh, a very dangerous things in your house uh, when you know you got company coming. You want everything cleaned, and you'll clean baseboards, and you'll clean the oven out, and you'll clean the, 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 the closets out and make sure the medicine cabinet's even organized in case you got a snoopy na- uh, a neighbor that wants to go in there and check out what you got in your, in your medicine cabinet. You, you make sure everything is crystal clean. Why? Because you care about what they think. I believe that God looked at his creation and he said, when I put put my prized creation in this and their eyes open for the very first time and they take the very first breath, I want them to open their eyes and say, wow, this is awesome. And so he made sure that everything he did was good. So it makes me wonder, how is it that Adam and Eve are duped into believing the words of another created being over the creator himself. Why would they take the word of the serpent, the snake, who is just another created being as themselves were, why would they take his word over the words of God? How do they give an ear to someone who, as far as we know, never did anything beneficial for them, but rather caused them to doubt the very one who gave them everything? Have you ever seen self-destructive people like that in your life, that they've got everything good in their life, everything is right, and yet they still take the word of somebody that says, hey, try this, or hey, do this, or you're, you're not happy enough, or if you do this, it's going to make you happier, only to find out that the claws that sink into their life, and the addictions that get a hold of them, don't take them to the place that they want them or think that it will take them, but instead it takes them to a place of destruction. Believe I have got the answer for that. Distraction. I believe the distraction has been Satan's number one tactic since day one. Not that he doesn't have other weapons in his arsenal, but from the outset of creation, his most effective tool has been the art of misdirection. Misdirection. I've got a little challenge to your ability to to stay focused here this morning. I, there's, uh, there's a lot of movement in this video that I'm about ready to, to show you, and I, I used this video several years ago, so some of you may remember this, but I'm hoping today that, that uh, most of you have forgotten it. But in this video, there's a lot of movement. There's, there's several ladies that are going to move around while they pass a basketball. It'll explain it to you. And uh, once you, uh, it's going to tell you what you need to do. So I, I'm going to ask Brother Cody, if he would, to play this video for you. And I want to see how many of you can get the right amount of moves of this basketball. Brother Cody. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball.
The correct answer is 16 passes. How many have you got 16? Did you All right. Spot the gorilla. Did you spot the gorilla? For people who haven't seen or heard about a video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. All right, that's good, Brother Cody. Thank you. Okay, so how many of you spotted the gorilla? Probably about maybe 25% of the people in this room spotted the gorilla. Okay, those of you that spotted the gorilla, how many of you spotted the other two things that were taking place there? Anybody? All right. One person. One person. And the fact of the matter is, sometimes you can be focused, but the enemy will bring something in around the other side to try to destroy you. While you're looking at one thing, you can miss the rest. I've watched Masters of Misdirection steal people blind. There's another video that, that uh, is very interesting to me. Matter of fact, he, he, he brings people up, and they know what he is, and they know what he's about ready to do. It, it, it's, 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 I guess, a, a, like a, a show out in Vegas or something like that. And he brings them up, and so they're watching. He's moving. They're not going to let him uh, take anything. But but in the process of everything, he, they lose their watch. They lose their wallet. You know, he might even who knows uh, take take a piece of jewelry off of off of their body someplace. And and while they're watching and while they're being so intent, he is a master of misdirection. And so they get robbed blind, even though they know what they're looking for all because of misdirection. We like to think that we're capable of guarding the gates of our soul, and, and, and we should be sober, and we should be vigilant, the Bible says, but the best advice that I can give you this morning is be careful who you have your conversations with because not everyone that has a silver tongue has your best interest at heart. We are dealing with a master of misdirection. We are dealing with a snake, and that's what he did. What did he, what, what did he do in the garden? He simply took her focus off of what she needed to be looking at. It's best to just cut off having conversations with snakes. The serpent looks at Eve. What's he do? He makes her question God. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, God has indeed said, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So, in other words, in my mind, I'm picturing this conversation taking place between uh, 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 this snake and Eve, which 
I'm, I'm thinking all, all of a sudden, that's the only beast that I know of besides a couple instances where a donkey spoke or something like that, where a, a, a beast of the field or an animal or a serpent, any kind of, of, of a creature besides humanity was ever able to speak. I'm thinking, is that the only creature that God made that was able to have a conversation with Adam and Eve? It's the only one we know of. The Bible says that it was more cunning. It was more subtle than any other creature. And so it had something that I believe probably no other creature had. And so he looks at Eve and he simply asks this question, has God said? So he's saying, what did, what did God actually say, Eve? Have, have you ever heard something like that? It, it, it probably sounded something like this. So you're telling me that God's just going to send everybody uh, to hell for all eternity? Or maybe it sounded something like this. So you're telling me that a God of love is going to let all these bad things happen? How can that actually be? Has anybody ever been in a conversation like that? Be careful who you have your conversations with because there is an enemy out there that has the spirit of that serpent, uh, has the spirit of Antichrist, it has the spirit of Satan himself working in it that simply will attack you on a question alone, trying to cause you to doubt the God that has created you. Don't ever take the word of another created being over the word of your creator. Amen. God's word still stands true. It still stands strong, and it is the ultimate thing that we will be judged upon. Look what Eve does. She tries to act all spiritual here and even goes as far as to stretch the truth on what God actually said. She's going to kick it up a notch. My opinion is she should have never been in a conversation with the snake in the first place, Brother Jones. There are some things you don't need to allow to have a voice in your life. There are some things that you don't need to listen to. There are some things that you don't need to read. There's some things that you don't need uh, to, to, to watch or see. Why? Because they have a voice. And in that voice, something along the way, if it had the spirit of Antichrist, if it had the spirit of the devil in it, it will cause you some way, somehow to begin to doubt the one that has created you. It may even cause you to doubt that the word of God is even true. So Eve says to the servant, serpent, she responds. She says, oh, we, we may eat of the, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, there's some that might look at what she said and even admire it. Hey, she set an even higher standard. She set an even higher standard for herself. Maybe she taught that to her kids. Well, God told us not to eat of the tree, but but uh, we've got some kids now, Adam, and, and, and we're going to just tell them, don't even touch it or, or you're going to die. But that's not what God said. She was putting words in God's mouth. 
which opened her up to the craftiness of a subtle snake that began not to put her in a headlock and drag her off to do some sinful thing. He didn't kill her with some fiery dart. He simply had a conversation that created doubt. Doubt is a dangerous thing in the child of God's life. Putting words into God's mouth was a mistake, but not her greatest mistake. Her greatest mistake was listening to what the snake had to say. So there's a lot of things that a Christian can survive. The devil has tried all kinds of things. There, there, has, been, there has been torment and punishment and persecutions and, and all types of things. Most of those things just cause the church to spread. You know what? It may separate the wheat from the chaff. What we've been through in the last couple of years has, has done a lot of that. It's separated the wheat from the chaff. Because the hungry, those that really are, are, are in love with God, there's nothing, nothing's going to separate them. They're not going to allow anything to separate them. Even death is not going to be able to separate them. But you have somebody that's just trying to get through life, hanging on by, by their, uh, the coattail to their walk with God, and it's important to them, but there's other things that are just as important to them. I'm telling you, that's when things like that will cause the wheat to be separated from the chaff. And the way it happens is they get into conversation with a snake. They begin to listen to those voices. Got to wrap this up today, but hear me this morning. Your greatest survival tool isn't your worship. It's important. I'm not saying don't worship. I, I love it. Apostolic church needs to have people that know how to worship God. Uh, when we sing, you ought to be singing. When, when we clap our hands, you ought to be clapping your hands. Uh, uh, the, the, the things that we do and the motions that we go through and the worship that we give to God, it is important, but it is not the most important thing to your spiritual success. It's not how much you witness or talk about God. I've seen people that, that are living a terrible life, but they think that they're okay because they got a t-shirt on that says, I'm in love with Jesus, or they wear a little cross around their neck. Let me tell you something. It's more than just witnessing or going out and, and talking about God. Amen. It's, it's having a love for the truth. You don't have to know everything that God doesn't say, but you better be on spot with what he does say. music come this morning. Your witness is important. Your worship is valuable. It's crucial. It's critical. But if you want to know what the number one tool is for you to survive in the world in which we live, you must know the word. You must know the word. It's important to get your nose in the book and find out what Jesus has to say about how we should be living. What did the snake say? 
what? Die? You won't die. How did he know? You know what? If, if I'm going to take the word of some someone, I think I'm going to take the word of the one who created me over another created being that just thinks they know so much. You won't die. He's just trying to keep you from enjoying all the things that, that he knows. Because he knows that once you eat of that fruit, that, that you'll be like him, and you'll, you'll know things that he knows. He's keeping things from you. You ever heard that before? Why do you live like that? Why do you go to that church? Why is God so important to you? That preacher just stands up. They're just trying to keep you from anything that's fun. That's what they're trying to do. I'm telling you, that's the voice that whispers in the ear of those that are having a conversation with a snake that tells you there's a better life out there. You can have more fun out there, but I'm telling you now, don't you have that conversation with that snake. You stay living for God. You stay worshiping God. You stay witnessing for God, but you better know what the word of God has to say about what it means to be saved. You won't die. Don't you believe it? Stay away from the snakes of this world. They may have silver tongues. I have noticed that. I, I, have, I have noticed that. It seems like the more worldly a person is, the greater their ability to speak with confidence becomes. It can be wrong. Just say it with confidence and people will believe you. There's all kinds of, of philosophies out there that people, not everybody believes, but Many do. They fall into this trap simply because somebody got up with confidence and they had their hair fixed just right and they had their suit on just right and they knew, knew, knew how to formulate a sentence just right and they had great oratory skills and said, the world is flat. It's not actually round. Do you know that there is a flat world society? There's a group of people that still believe the world is flat even though we have all the evidence that it's not, all the way back to the Word of God that talks about it being a sphere. You want to say hello? Even with all the facts. But this is what happens when people run down rabbit trails and listen to things that are not even there and get caught up in vain superstitions and in vain philosophies. It's easy to be misdirected when you're dealing with a snake. Would you stand this morning? This world has a lot of people in it that have silver tongues, but they're laced with the poison of doubt. You better be careful what you watch. You better be careful what you listen to. And the greatest thing that you can do to guard yourself 
is to know the Word. How do you know that? Well, I just go to the one that we're all trying to be like, Jesus Christ, and he had a face-to-face conversation. Not that he wanted to, but he was taken to places. In his physically weakened state, he was spiritually prepared. You want to have a conversation with a snake? You better have fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Maybe you can survive. Jesus is, and this is not really even a conversation. He's just responding to the offers. Now, cast yourself down off here if you're really the Son of God. And the angels will come, they'll sweep you up. Jesus didn't get in an arm wrestling contest, test with him, or whoever wins this. They didn't flip a coin. He didn't even get into a conversation. He simply quoted scripture. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. If you want to respond, if you find yourself in a conversation with a snake, you better be doing better than Eve did and not misquoting stuff. You better know the word to survive a conversation with a snake because they know the word. You think that serpent didn't know what God said? He knew exactly what God said. He was trying to confuse her and see if she knew what God said. And once he understood that she didn't know, he knew that he had her right where he wanted her. Jesus doesn't argue. He doesn't debate. He doesn't discuss apologetics. He quoted the word. That's your tool. I wonder if today, as I close out this portion of the service, if you would just raise your hands. See, there's a lot of things going on in this service right now. There's some spiritual distractions that are trying to take place. There's some bodily distractions. Maybe you're sitting here in pain and you're trying to stay concentrated on what's what's going on and and it's trying to pull you away. We're going to have some... Small children moving around. There's going to be people that are going to have to use facilities and moving here and there. But I wonder if today if we could hone in on what God might try to do over the next hour and a half in our midst. I don't want you to walk out of here today defeated. I don't want you to walk out of here today and be destroyed but you need to recognize the voices that you're allowing to speak into your life. Are they pushing you closer to God or further away? Who are you having your conversations with? Would you lift your hands right now? Let's just ask the Lord to captivate our minds. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.